Today, I'm going to talk about what the Bible says about Jesus coming out of that grave. Not opinions, not so-and-so theologian, but what the Bible actually says. Now, you got to understand this. The Word of God is forever settled in heaven. It is not subject to change. It is truth, and it will change every fact that is contrary to it that you'll ever experience in life. For sickness, it'll bring you health. For lack and poverty, it'll bring wealth into your life. I'm telling you, for sadness, it'll bring joy into your life. For turmoil, it'll bring peace into your life. And there is nothing that can stop the word of God. You know, it's amazing. And I mean, we are just scratching the surface. Do you know every, God says, literally in in our English, it would be the equivalent of every comma, every period, nothing will pass away from my word. You know, you think of the first five books of the Bible. They call it the Torah, right? And we just read it. And, you know, a lot of times you read Leviticus. I have grown to love Leviticus. It would put me to sleep years ago. It's like, oh, my gosh, I don't care how you cut the dove, how you do, you know, right? But then I started realizing, wait a minute. This is all revealing Jesus. Do you know every word in the Bible reveals Jesus? So like as an example, in the Torah, you have Genesis, right? In the beginning, that word beginning literally is Bereshit. The end of that word is the letter in the Hebrew language Tav, right? It's the first letter in the word Torah. And in Genesis and Exodus, if you go every 50 words, it will spell the word Torah in the Hebrew language. Every 50 words. It spells the word Torah. Then if you skip Leviticus and go to Numbers and Deuteronomy, every 49 words, it spells the word Torah backwards. Why? Because Genesis and Exodus are pointing to Leviticus. Numbers and Deuteronomy are pointing back to Leviticus. Do you know every seven letters... In Leviticus, spell Yahweh, the name of God, to forever declare that we needed the Lamb of God, a sinless sacrifice to come. This is what Leviticus is all about, to come to this earth and die for our sins, to die in our place, and to be raised so that we could have his life. The whole, and that's just one example. It's amazing all that the word, I mean, I think for millions of years, we're going to sit here and go, wow, that was in there, right? It's amazing. Sometimes, you know, I've, I'll accidentally, I'll, I'll look back at notes or something, and I, I, I look at sermons that I preached in 2007 and 2008 and go, gosh, Lord, I'm sorry, that is so, so shallow. But back then, we were like, wow, that's amazing, right? You know, next year, we'll probably look at some stuff we said this year and go, well, that was good, but man, there's just so much more. Because everything in God increases. So in your life, God's will for your life is increase. Amen. 
in every arena. He's not mad at you today. There's, no, there's nothing for him to be mad at you about. Do you realize that Jesus, we're celebrating him coming out of the grave, but when he was crucified on that cross, all of our sin, all of it, was condemned once and for all in his body on that tree. Why? So that we can have his life. So we're going to talk about that a little bit today. You guys ready? Hallelujah. You know, these nice little, these nice little flowery, really cool sermons, you know, on Easter, and that's just not happening here. We have to declare who Jesus is, right? Because you need something that you can grab a hold of and go, yes, I'm going to walk with him, right? So the whole Bible, you've heard me say this a million times, the whole Bible is about God pursuing you. Think about your life. Think about how many times you said no, right? Think about even now as a Christian, how many times you're kind of saying no, whatever, you kind of do it, you know, you get a little afraid and you, you put your trust in yourself and not him, and yet he still keeps wooing you. He never stops. His mercy endures forever, and his mercy is new all the time. You know John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. In other words, Jesus came. God the Father sent his son so that you and I could have his life. Isn't that amazing? It goes on in verse 17, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world. Man, don't let, don't condemn yourself. Romans chapter eight, verse one says, there is therefore now, now, what is it talking about? Now that Jesus came out of the grave, there is no condemnation to those that be in Christ. In, the, in Paul's letter to the church at Colossians, he made it very clear because of what Jesus did, you and I now are unblameable, unaccusable. Isn't that amazing? That's who you are. As you get into the word of God and walk with the Lord, you find out who you are in him as you find out who he is. It's, it's a process that'll go on throughout all eternity. God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That word saved means might be healed, might prosper, might be delivered from death, might be safe, right? All of these words, salvation includes everything. So in 1 John chapter 4, in verse 9 and 10, it says this, in this was manifested the love of God. Or now God's word is going to tell us this is how God's love was manifested, shown forth to us. This is how we saw it. Because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might have life through him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. Oh, Satan is going to try to make your walk with God all about you. If I just had more faith, if I was just better, don't make it about you. It's about him. 
right? This is the message. Herein is love. Herein is the love of God shown forth to you right here. Not that we love God, but that he sent his son, that he loved us, he sent his son to be the propitiation of for our sins. This word propitiation literally means an atoning sacrifice. He is both the sacrifice and the officiating high priest. Jesus' blood not only paid for the removal of our sins, now Jesus himself is our high priest. And he is called a faithful high priest. He will watch over his word to perform it in your life. He'll never leave you. He will never forsake you. He'll never fail you. 1 John chapter 4, in verse 13 through 15, it says this, Hereby know we that we dwell in him. When you are born again, you are now in Christ. Romans defines in Christ as the Holy Spirit lives in you. When you and I got born again, the Holy Spirit, when we invited the Lordship of Jesus Christ into our life, the Holy Spirit came into us, took out the spirit man that was dead and separated from God and put a brand new spirit in us, and then the Holy Spirit took up residency in our spirit. He's there right now. He will be there forever. You are forever one with God. Then he shed the love of God abroad in your heart. Why? So that you could know how much he loves you. Your spirit man is saturated with the unconditional love of God. No longer is it based on your behavior. No, God loves you just because he chose to love you. And when you know that, that's what empowers and enables us to show the world the love of God, right? Man, I'm telling you, as you walk through life, sometimes you kind of, you don't even realize it. You get looking at a lot of things and, and then all of a sudden it's revealed to you, wow, I'm not, I'm not showing forth the love of God. And man, immediately it just causes you to just jump back into it and go, wait a minute, that's not right. I want everything in my life to just proclaim that God loves unconditionally. I love that. It says here, he, hereby we know that we dwell in him and he in us, because he's given us of his spirit. That's how we know. The mighty Holy Spirit, Romans chapter 8 says, he lives in us and he bears witness with us that we are the children of God. He'll bear witness with your heart. I love that. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwells in him and he in God. Now let's go a little deeper into this. God dwelling in us. 1 Corinthians 2.12 says this. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God. Why? That we may know, 
This Greek word means that we may see, that we may perceive, and that we may know intimately the things that are freely given to us by God. Isn't that amazing? He put his spirit in you so that as you read the word of God, as you walk with him, you can freely, you can perceive, you can see, and you can know. Listen, if sickness attacks your body, you can see, you could perceive that, wait a minute, he bore my sickness and carried my pain and I don't have to, right? He bore all the emotional turmoil, all of it. He bore poverty and lack so I don't have to. The Holy Spirit on the inside of us, he leads us and he guides us into the things that God has given you. That's how come this whole nonsense that is being preached by men, which I gotta tell you, it's disappearing. I'm telling you, we are living in the greatest time in church history. You are gonna see the anointing increase as never before. You're gonna see Jesus preached for who he is, and it's gonna wipe out religion. It's gonna wipe out all this stuff. And it's going to be God is good all the time. That if he's done it for one, he'll do it for all. That he is the savior of the world. He's the healer of the world. It will be preached from the housetops. Satan hates it, but he can't stop it. And it'll keep getting louder and louder and louder until the church is out of here. I love that. John 16, I love this. It says this. These things have I spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. Jesus said this. In the world, you're going to have tribulation. Jeez, pastor, I came to church today. Great, thank you, right? <laughs> that Greek word means you're going to have pressure. Have you ever felt pressure? You're going to have mental anguish. But now never forget, never forget what he did for you. He's given you his word. He made you brand new. You have give, been given authority. The mighty Holy Spirit leads and guides you into it, and you could take every thought of mental anguish captive and it not affect your life at all. You're going to have persecution. You're going to have burdens. You're going to have trouble. But Jesus said this, but be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. That means, you know what that means? He's, it, it means take courage and be bold. Why? Because I have overcome the world. Because Jesus overcame it, you are a world overcomer. Oh, this stuff's gonna come, right? Weapons will be formed, but they won't prosper. When the enemy comes one way, he's going to flee seven ways. Hallelujah. Courage, always remember this. Courage comes as a result of what you know and who you know. When you realize that God and all of heaven is behind you and beside you and in front of you and above you and beneath you, he is everywhere when you realize you never go anywhere into any battle where he's not there. Hallelujah. And the word is very clear. He always causes you to triumph. 
always gives you the victory. 1 Corinthians 10, verses 1 and 2 says this. Moreover, brethren, I would, not I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Pastor, what in the world are you talking about? You got to know this. This is a huge picture in the Old Testament that God gave you and I to show us who we are today. It's talking about the children of Israel. When they came out of Egypt, they were under a cloud. God's presence was in that cloud. They went into the Red Sea. God parted the Red Sea and they went into it. It was a type of baptism. This is what this all means. God typified their deliverance with baptism to say that the slaves that they were died out at the Red Sea. They were buried, those slaves were buried in the Red Sea and they rose up out of the Red Sea as sons on the other side. Why? So that they can receive their inheritance. God wanted them to know it's a type. That's why water baptism is so powerful. Because you are declaring what happened to you in Christ. You are no longer, you know, you were a slave. You were a slave destined for hell. God, Satan was going to have, the, actually Paul describes the whole earth as a satanic slave market. People sold into one bondage and another until they die and are lost forever. But that's not us. Jesus came and now you're not a slave. You are a son and a daughter of God, forever free. But that's not all. Their oppressor, in the Old Testament, it was the Egyptian army. In the New Testament, it was all Satan and all the satanic hierarchy followed them into the Red Sea and died in the Red Sea to forever remind the children of Israel that they were free from oppression their enemy died, was gone in the Red Sea. That was to remind them that they are forever free from oppression. And now they are ready to walk in newness of life. That's the same thing. Jesus stripped principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places, stripped every demon, stripped Satan. They have no power in your life what today represents is when he was raised guess what you and i were raised to a new life too isaiah there's some old testament prophecies that are powerful in isaiah 43 in verses 25 and 26 it says this god says this i even i am he that blotteth out that means to erase your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Verse 26, put me in remembrance. We are to put God in remembrance of his word. He loves that. Let us plead together. Declare thou that you may be justified. See, you gotta declare. 
Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. When you're weak, you declare you're strong. Why? Because God says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Let the blind say that they could see. Why? Because that's what God says. So we have to declare. You come to the Lord, you plead together with him. Guess what that is? You're meditating in the word of God and the Holy Spirit is bringing revelation of his word and that what comes out of that, you see it and then you grab hold of it and you declare it that you might be the righteous, that you might walk in your righteousness. I love this. One chapter back, Isaiah 42, 16 says this, and I will bring the blind by a way that they knew not. And I will lead them in paths that they have not known. Look at what God says. I will make darkness light before them and crooked things straight. Man, if there's any confusion in your life, the Holy Spirit will reveal why. And I'm telling you, usually, like about 100% of the time, it's because you're entertaining thoughts of the enemy and you're speaking those thoughts and it brings confusion into your life but if you will keep the word of God in your heart coming out of your mouth he will make darkness light before you his word is a lamp to your feet and a light to your path he will make every crooked road in your life straight that's what he does these things, God says, will I do unto them and not forsake them. Ezekiel 36, I love this. Ezekiel 36 says it this way in verses 24 through 28. He says, for I will take you from among the heathen and gather you out of all countries and bring you into your own land. Notice God's doing all of this. God is the one who will bring you into your inheritance, into your land. He is the one that will bless you. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from all your filthiness, and from all your idols will I cleanse you. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. Wow, now I have the mind of Christ, and I have a brand new spirit. Wow. And I will take the stony heart out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and I will cause you to walk in my statutes and you shall keep my judgments. Notice God is doing this. So what is our job? To be willing and obedient. That's it. This is for every person. It says, and do them, and you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers, and you shall be my people, and I will be your God. Well, let's do one more. Let's go to Jeremiah. I love Jeremiah 33. Or, I'm sorry, Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 33, and verse 34. It tells a whole story of redemption. It's, it's, it, these are all great Easter Resurrection Sunday terms. So verse 33 here in Jeremiah 31, it is speaking of the new birth, being born again. 
But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. This was written talking about the people of Israel, the seed of, Ab- uh, the seed of Abraham. We pull that because the New Testament tells us we are the seed of Abraham. So now it's talking also about the family of God. Who is that? That's the church. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. This is the covenant that God made with you and I. Look at this. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts, in their spirit, and I will write it in their hearts, in their minds. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. Now, verse 34 is going to explain why God did this. And they shall teach no more man, no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them unto the greatest of them, says the Lord. Why? Why can we know him? For I will remember their sin no more. And in here, that last statement is a huge thing. What causes people to not see the word of God the way that they should is they remember their own sin. God wants you to walk free from it. He's already cleansed your conscience. You have to buy the lies of the enemy. So as you walk free, you're going to walk in greater revelation. When you make that choice, I'm not going there anymore. So in other words, God through salvation, changes us on the inside for the purpose of putting his word on the inside of us. Why? So that we can know him. Eternal life is simply knowing God. Prosperity is not money. Prosperity is knowing that God is your provider, that he is your source. Healing is not when the the symptoms or the disease is gone from your body. Healing is when revelation knowledge comes that Jesus is your healer. Right? It's a natural thing to know God once you put his word on the inside of you. That reveals where everybody is. The more word on the inside, the more you know God. The less word on the inside, the less you know him, right? And you could be born again and not know much about him. You could get up to here with you pursuing all that you need to in life and miss eternal life knowing him. God writes his law in your heart. How does he do that? As you walk with him, as you meditate in the word of God, your your tongue as you, as you speak the word of God over your life, the Holy Spirit uses your tongue as the pen of a ready writer to write that on your heart. When God speaks things or reveals things to your heart, you come to know something about him, and this is what holds you steady. This is why a lot of believers miss it, because they get in trouble, they've got sickness in their body, they've got things going on, and all of a sudden, they are looking for some principles to get free. But that's not how it works. God wants to reveal himself. 
It's not enough for you to understand that he's a healer. You need to know he's your healer. Right now, today. It's not enough to know that he brings peace and comfort. No, you need to know that he is your source of peace and comfort, right? This is super important. Every time you step out on the word of God, he will reveal something about himself. Always, always. He'll continually tell you, I love you. This is for you. Take my hand. Let me lead you into this. This is not my will for your life. Right? That's what he does. Everything about God and your relationship with him is about him showing you who he really is. That's how come I'm telling you, you know, if I'm watching a program, this this is so steeped into the church and I believe it's going to be eradicated is this, this evil, demonic doctrine that God somehow is sitting in heaven pulling strings and manipulating things and allowing one person to suffer to teach them something and allowing sickness in this person's life to, you know, just because he's testing them, are you really still going to love me? That is not who God is. And so the whole word of God, your whole walk with him, your whole relationship with him is that he will reveal to you who he is. Wow. The progression, you've heard me say this how many times? You put the word of God first place in your life. You know you've done that because you meditate in it. He reveals himself to you and then you progress one step at a time. That is the walk of faith. Never moved by the things of the world. Colossians chapter 1 in verse 13 and 14 says this. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness? It means he delivered us out of the delegated influence of darkness. You are not under the delegated influence of darkness. But pastor, it sure feels like it. Don't go by your feelings. Go by what his word said. Remember what we said? The word is true. It's truth. It is not subject to change. If the word of God says you've been taken out of the delegated influence of darkness and you feel and it looks like you were in there, guess what? You're not seeing something. Because God's word is truth. It's light. And if you'll embrace it and believe it and speak it, you will then know, you'll see, you'll perceive, you'll know, wow, I felt like the enemy was just beating me up and then now I realize, wait a minute, no, 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 no. I was literally, I was literally believing his lies and it's over because he is over. When Jesus said, it is finished, he's talking about Satan and all the curse and everything. It, it, it is finished. Wow. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated or transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. Verse 14, in whom we have redemption. How? Through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. We minimize the forgiveness of sins because we just live in it. But don't minimize that. 
The wages of sin is death. Jesus removed the sin. So death has no legal right in your life. Don't put up with it. Don't put up with a snotty nose, headache. Don't put up with disease. Don't put up with poverty and lack. <clears throat> Don't put up with thinking that your past is going to dictate your future. Don't ever think that you don't have an incredible future in God, right? Don't go there. Romans chapter 6, verse 3. You know, if you'll notice, this sermon would be an incredible sermon for you to outline. Keep in your Bible, and everybody that you lead to Christ or talk about the Lord, pull it out and talk to them about it. Because, man, I'm telling you, I don't know how you are right now. Right now, I'm about to explode. Right? I mean, it's just amazing. The God of heaven, when I was his enemy, when I was lost, you know, I don't know about you, but I could tell you, eyes wide open, I served myself. I violated the law of God. Even, even though I accepted him as, at a young age, I didn't know. But I chose, there was something in me that knew I shouldn't do things, but I did it. And yet, here I am. Forgiven, cleansed. I am a man with no past, right? But I'm a man with an incredible future. And the holy God of heaven is one with me. Or he's invited me to be one with him. Let's say that correctly, right? So look at Romans 6, 3. It says, know ye not that so many of us, talking about this baptism thing, were baptized into Jesus Christ. Notice this. Know ye not that so many of us, as we're baptized into Jesus Christ, what does it say? We were baptized into his death. Now, this is not talking about water baptism right now. We are identified with Christ's death. Why is that? Because all of our sin, all of the spiritual death that we were was put on him. And when he died, my old man died. Wow. We were baptized with Christ into his death. Paul said it this way in Galatians 2, verse 20. He said, I am. In the Greek language, it would read literally, I have been and am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live it by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and who gave himself for me. This is the picture of I was crucified with him. God is saying, don't ever forget what I did for you on the cross. Right? God wants you to know how much he loves you and how far he would go to get you. Wow. 1 Peter chapter 1, in verse 18 and 19, it says this. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed 
with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. But, or you could say this, but you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Redeemed, it means to be ransomed and payment is made to take you out of one place. We know from Colossians, it's out of the delegated influence of darkness and to be transferred into another place, the place of, the place of ultimate freedom, the kingdom of God, where he rules. His rules are to dictate my life, not the rules of this world system. I love that. Hallelujah. Revelation of this, of this verse, these two verses, revelation of this enables you and I to walk free. To walk free from what? To walk free from fear. It has no place in your life. To walk free from intimidation, nothing should ever intimidate you, right? The God of heaven is for you. The Bible says, who can be against you? It enables you to walk free from a low self-esteem. It enables you to walk free from feelings of worthlessness and unworthiness. Feeling like you are a nobody. These are all lies of the enemy. That is not who you are. You know, if you went to an auction, the price paid for the item would denote its value. And God saw fit to pay the ultimate price to redeem you. So don't ever minimize yourself, Amen. right? Hallelujah. If God has the power to make me a new creation in Christ, guess what? He could pay my mortgage. He could pay my rent. He could provide for me, right? If God was able to deliver me out of spiritual death, he can deliver me out of anything and everything that I will ever face in life. He delivered you. You are delivered from spiritual death. Think about that. So addictions, when you walk in that truth, fall off of you. Because why is that? Because you'll never pick them up again because you're like, no, that is not who I am. That will not rule my life, right? Man, some people are addicted to pride because they're so insecure. They just have to have everybody love them and they're willing to do whatever. Have you ever noticed that doesn't work, Right? Tony Cook, when I was uh, in class with him at Rama, it's a minister friend of mine, he had this description of the perfect pastor. And I wish I, I got to go back and find it. Uh, it's so funny because he's not too tall, but he's not too short. You know, he's, he's not too heavy, but he's not too light either. And, you know, and, and his eyes are blue but just maybe not this. And, I mean, he just goes on and on and on. In other words... Listen, you have been fearfully and wonderfully made by God. You are one of a kind. Do not ever let anyone or anything, Satan or any of his, don't let your past ever define who you are. Your identity is found in him. 
if God didn't need, here's a big thing in this now, if God didn't need you and I to help him redeem us. Did you notice that? Now you gotta get this, because if you think, how, how many of you, did you help Jesus? Were you back there? Did you go back? No, you didn't help him redeem you, did you? So you don't need to help him heal you. You don't need to help him to walk out his plan for your life. No, no, this is about all, all about him and walking in the freedom. You have to renew your mind to this because our job is a rest. So stop trying to make it happen, right? If God didn't need you and I to redeem us, then God doesn't need us to help him work out his will for our lives. Do you realize in the Bible, it talks about how that God will energize you to want to do his will and then strengthen you to do it. But why do we not? Because we, don't, we get our eyes off him and we start watching and looking at other things. And so we start choosing wrong. But here's the good news. All you got to do is say, oh, wait a minute. Okay, yeah, pastor, I'm, so I'm done. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do that anymore. And you could walk in the freedom of Christ all out today. Do you realize that? The Bible says over and over again, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day for healing, for prosperity, for freedom in every way. Today is the day because of what he did. So Romans chapter 6, now let's go to verse 4. Actually, let me read verse 3 again to you because it's so good. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, because we were baptized into his death, we are buried with him by baptism into death. Your old man is gone, is dead. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of God, by the glory of the Father, even so we also should. Now, why does it say should? Well, whether we do or not is up to us. We should walk in newness of life. I love this because this is a new state of eternal life. We are to walk in eternal life. We are now identified not only with his crucifixion, we're identified with his resurrection. We've been raised to a new life. That old person you were is gone. It's gone. And for all of you like me, man, I'll tell you, I used to hear these testimonies and it used to just make me drool. You know, I'd get so excited. I'd, be, I'd look at somebody who was a total disaster and then they got saved and now they're just hitting on all cylinders. And I'm like, I'd look at them and go, yeah, that's not me. I accepted Christ at four and a half years old. I've made every decision Every sin as a child of God, right? But why did I do that? Because man, the enemy, he's coming at you with thoughts. As a Christian, if you got saved, he'll come at you with everything you did before you got saved to try to get you to grab it again. 
even if you didn't do anything before you got saved, he knows what messed up your dad, your grandfather, your great-grandfather, your mom, your great, you know, your wife. He knows all of it, and he fishes. Hmm, let's, let's try pornography. Let's try alcohol. Let's try drugs. Oh, here's a big one. Let's try pride. Let's try insecurity, right? And then he will use the world system to bring people around. I mean, you know, have you ever noticed... Like you see these actors and actresses that are physically beautiful. You've got this beautiful actress, 25 years old, right? That starts doing cosmetic surgery. But these people see it's not, but they'll start, it's never enough. Why? Because the enemy lies and lies and lies. He has lies for everyone. God wants you to be content where you are on the way to where you're going. That's what he wants for your life. No stress, no toil. He paid for all that. You can live in the midst of all hell breaking loose in your life, full of joy, full of peace, resting, because you could sit there and go, you know what? All of these circumstances, all of it has to bow to who Jesus Christ has made me. And he is going to perform that and everything's going to come in line with his word. Hide and watch. Right? I love that. We were buried with him. We've been raised to a new life. Romans chapter 6 verse 5 says it this way. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, that's a little vague in the King James. For if we've been planted, do you know what the Greek word planted means? For if we have been unified, brought into union, together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be brought into union in the likeness of his resurrection. That's why Jesus said, as I am, so are you in this world. He's saying, as I am, as the risen, the risen Lord, the firstborn from the dead, so are you in this world. We are his body. Nothing is to dominate you. Isn't that good news? So you could sit down this afternoon and you could list some things in your life that don't look like what the Bible says, knowing that God will walk you out of all of it. Now, it won't be as fast as your flesh likes. But your flesh is crazy anyway. But if you just keep your eyes on Jesus, you will be content in the middle of the mess and you'll be thankful for everything as you walk into your glorious future. If there's one thing in the Bible that you see over and over and over again, you can't look at where a person is and tell where they will end up. Man, Joseph's life was over, right? Next thing you know, he's in prison. But the Bible, these, guys, these other guys in prison, they're going, why are you so happy? Because he had a word from God. And guess what? He went from prison to second in command, and he saved his nation. Verse 6, then it says this, knowing this. This Greek phrase, knowing this, literally means keep this at the front of your mind. 
knowing that you died with him on the cross, you were buried with him, you were raised to a new life, you were united in his burial or in his crucifixion and resurrection. Now, knowing this, that our old man, who we were in Adam after the flesh, right? Knowing this, that our old man, this behavior that was caused by spiritual death is crucified with him that the body of sin might be destroyed. This, this word destroyed means rendered inactive, to put out of business. That henceforth, from this time on, you have to know this, you have to keep this at the front of your mind, that, that from now on, we should never serve sin. Because we're dead. I love that. I love that. Our old man was crucified, gone. Don't beat yourself up for your past. Don't let anybody else beat you up for your past. Right? I mean, if they do, just kind of hold up your hand and go, hold, time out, hold on a second. You know, I'm not going to listen to this. I, 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 hope, I hope you are okay with that. If you're not, then we'll, we'll figure that out later but I can't listen to that nonsense, right? Because I could tell you this, nobody will beat you up like you will. But the only reason why you beat yourself up with is because you're entertaining wrong thoughts. Satan is always, always at the center of it all. I love that. The key to walking free from sin is knowing that your old man is gone, crucified, dead, once and for all, rendered inactive. And then he says this in verse 7. For he that is dead. Now there's many Greek words that Paul could have used, but he used the word that means a corpse. He that is dead is freed from sin. If you're a Christian, then you're dead. Dead to sin. You're a corpse. Can a corpse be an alcoholic? Can a corpse ever be a drug addict? Can a corpse ever look at pornography? Can't do it because they're dead. That's who we are. So why do we do it? See, we have this flesh that has this old nature, and we just, a thought, the enemy throws a thought in our mind, and because... We're not, we're not keeping our eyes on Jesus and we're not in the word the way he told us to walk. We're not trusting him. We're letting some old junk mess with us. We partake. And the minute we partake, have you ever noticed Satan? He will just be all over you to try to get you to do something. But the second you do it, oh, he's all over you, man. Oh, see, you're, you're a horrible Christian. Your life is over. God's never gonna use you now, Right? Ministers fall, and we're like, okay, man, we got to pull you out of ministry for four years, and you got to, no, 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 no. Just get them in a position. They might have to step away for a little while, but man, we got to get them doing what God wants because you get them out of that facing every day, I'm a, I fell, I did this, I did that. They'll never get back. 
In the same way that you and I, if you beat yourself up for what you've done, you will never get free from it. And you'll never get free even though you've been made free. So John chapter 1, verse 29, it says this, The next day, John sees Jesus coming unto him and says, Behold the Lamb of God who what? Who takes away the sin of the world. Do you realize your sin is gone? Do you, do you realize, and this is, this is going to be the horrible thing about hell. Because the Bible says in Philippians that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. They will all bow. Every, there, see, there, there is no atheists in hell. There's no, there's no such thing. The minute somebody passes from this earth, they're not agnostic, they're not an atheist, right? And, and the bummer is this thing, bow, they will not be made to bow. Those Greek words mean they will choose to bow. And they'll have to be judged for all of their sin. And the bummer about it is they will be judged for sin that Jesus already bore for them. And they will know that hell, the lake of fire, all of that was not made for them. That God is not even sending them there. He just had to honor their will. They chose to not accept the sacrifice. I'm so glad I accepted the sacrifice. And I was made righteous because I believed what God said. You are no longer going to be the old person that's constantly trying to do better. Those days are over today. You're not going to be that old person. Because when you try to do better and you mess up, what happens is you, you, it takes you right back to the house you grew up in. If you grew up in a house like mine, man, every time I do something wrong, it's like sit down, and it's almost like the books were opened. And they talk about all these other things that I did in my past, and I'm like, well, time out. You know, you, you beat me with a, with a switch for that one. I was grounded for two months for that one. But it still all comes up. And what's it designed to do from the enemy? It's designed to say, Tony, you're worthless. You just are never going to be any better, right? No, no, no. That day is over today. We've got God's word on it, right? A real experience with Jesus Christ, it is so much more than a New Year's resolution. It's more than an old sin habit that you're trying to break. No, 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 no. An experience with Jesus means you're free. God says, I'm going to bury the old man in the Red Sea, and I'm going to raise up a new man that is free. That's what he does. Jesus died on a cross. He was buried. He was resurrected that I may know him and that I may know the power of his resurrection. Right? Philippians 3.10 says this, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings may, being made conformable unto his death. 
Christ's story did not end on the cross and neither did yours. Many believers, they've never experienced the power of the resurrected life because they've drawn away from the fellowship of his sufferings. What do you mean, pastor? They want to hang on to the flesh. I just want to hang on to this flesh. Let it go. Go home this afternoon if you're having trouble. Watch Frozen and sing the song, Let It Go, right? But you're a believer, so don't get that wrong and say, let it snow, because we don't want any more of that, okay? <laughs> You'll never know the life of the resurrected Christ until you've experienced the fellowship of his sufferings. What is that? You've got to crucify your flesh. Here's another part of that, though. The fellowship of his sufferings. He was made sick so you could be healed. He was made poor so you could be made rich. He was made to be sin so that you could be made righteous. You must understand that Christ didn't take you through a death and a burial to leave you there. He resurrected you and I to a new life in him. That's why 1 John 5, 4 says, whoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing news. God is so good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me just read this to you in closing. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 1. I, I, what I want you to see is Ephesians chapter 2. Just the first few verses. But in order to do that, you have to read chapter 1, verses 17 through 23 to get the context. Because we break this stuff down, but it's not broken down. It's a letter. It says that the God, this is Ephesians 1.17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened and that you would know the hope of his calling. That's God's plan for your life. That you would know the glory, the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and that you would know what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality, power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also that which is to come, and hath put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Now look at this. Goes right into chapter 2, verse 1. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. And otherwise, when he quickened Jesus, guess what? He quickened you too. And you. See, Paul is continuing his thought about Christ being raised from the dead and given all power. We are connected to that same power that was displayed in Jesus. Let's jump down to verse four real quick. But God who is rich, this means he has an inexhaustible supply 
he's rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us. In other words, God intervened in your life and now he is your answer in everything. But God is greater than any bad report you could ever get in life. This verse reveals God's motive for providing salvation to us. What was it? He was motivated by love. Accepting salvation is literally accepting God's love for you. Verse 5, even when we were dead in sins, he quickened us together with Christ. In other words, I was made alive in Christ. By grace are you saved and hath raised us up together. Wow, so not only is Christ raised, but now I'm raised and made us sit in, together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Do you know royalty sits? Right? I mean, that, that's that royalty. If you're, not, if you're not royalty, when you go in the presence of a king, you sit. Right? Or I mean, I'm sorry, you stand. Sorry about that. Yeah. See, why does it say this? Because to operate in the authority that God has given you, you have to know where you're seated. Oh, today, positionally, you are seated in this sanctuary. But also today, right now, you are also, or I'm sorry, temporally you're seated here. Positionally, you are seated with Christ. When you bind the enemy, you're binding him from heaven. Even when we were dead in sins, hath Christ, or I'm sorry, dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace are you saved, raised us up together, made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. Wow. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And then we finish with this, for we are his workmanship. This is the Greek word poema. It literally means for we are God's masterpiece. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Notice it didn't say created in Christ Jesus by our good works. No, 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 we've been created in Christ unto good works. We work out what he works in, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. See, good works, your good works can never produce a new nature. Your nature is what produces good works. God loves you today. He loves you so much. If you're sitting here or if you're online and you've never invited him to come into your life, today is your day to walk in newness of life and be free. If you know him today, today is the day to hear these words. Let he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Whosoever will, let him come. Grab hold of this and walk in the freedom wherewith Christ has made you free.